Life Podcast. My name is Victoria Smith and I am your host for today and we are on episode number 66. Now today we are joined by Hannah Cree and the best way that I can describe Hannah is that she is a badass, an absolute badass. And to be fair, to be completely transparent, I didn't know a ton about Hannah before uh, reaching out to her for an interview. She'd been recommended to me by uh, a mutual friend who had been on the podcast. I knew that she was a social entrepreneur and she co-founded this company called Common Good with her husband. And that was kind of pretty much it. I also knew that she worked for ATB, who are one of our sponsors of the episode. And yeah, like honestly, in a nutshell, that is what I knew about Hannah. And I honestly, the hour that I spent with Hannah was life changing. <laughs> and, I, and I truly do mean that because she is such a fascinating human being with such interesting perspectives on on our economy and on our on the way our society works and on business and and how to raise children and all of these things. And I, I, I left that hour with Hannah just feeling like I had met someone truly, truly inspirational. So I hope that that comes across in this podcast. And I hope that you you come away from her interview as inspired by her as I have been. So before we move into anything else, I do want to let you know that the Girl Tries Life podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. So the Alberta Podcast Network supports Alberta-made podcasts and connects their Al- their audiences with Alberta-based businesses and organizations. Now, one of the podcasts I want to let you know about, which I think is really relevant for today's episode, is called Assumptions. It's where a Christian and an atheist have a polite conversation, kind of. <laughs> Daniel and Kyle, they have these competing worldviews, and yet they still remain close friends. And so given that we're talking about a lot of assumptions that people make about uh, people living in poverty or homelessness today, I just thought that was a really great, one of the great shows to highlight from the network. Now, in terms of ATB, because they are one of, they power the network, which is absolutely fantastic. I do want to let you know about their entrepreneur centers. Now, Hannah and I actually recorded this episode in their entrepreneur center, and that was my first time getting to see it in action. And what's fantastic about the entrepreneur center is, first of all, it does not feel like a bank at all. You walk into the one, at least the one in Calgary, and it's like a gorgeous coffee shop. And then there's this there's this room where they do all sorts of uh, meetings and presentations and free workshops. They'll connect you to mentors, which is huge when you're starting a business. And they even have a little podcast recording room, which was super cool for us and something neat that I got to experience. Now, in terms of what Hannah and I dig into, we talk about Common Good, which is the social enterprise that her and her husband run. So we talk about how it works, where the idea came from, why her and Dave are the perfect people to run it. And then we talk about sort of tackling issues like poverty and jobs at a living wage and and the work that Common Good is doing to, to do all this and has an environmental focus. We talk about entrepreneurship. We also talk about, you know, what she wanted to be when she was a kid and her time in radio and how... You know, she actually got proposed to live on the air. Uh, we talk about community and what it means to volunteer. And finally, we talk about her work with ATB as a social strategist and what that means to her. So it was a, again, a fantastic interview. I had so much, I had so many like aha moments and takeaways. So I hope that you get as much from this as I did. Now, show notes for today can be found at www.girltrieslife.com forward slash podcast forward slash 66 for episode number 66. So 66, the number is 66. One other thing I would just ask before we get to the interview is if you are enjoying this podcast, if you have been enjoying 
the Girl Tries Life series. If you could go onto whatever provider of your choice and leave a rating or a review, I would so greatly appreciate it. All these people are, they're investing their time in the podcast so that they can share with the audience. And so I think a little feedback for me and for them would be absolutely fantastic for them to know that they're actually making a difference. Uh, so in Apple Podcasts, you can do this. You have to just come out of the subscription if you're in and then sort of go back into it. But, uh, but pause this podcast right now. Did you pause? And then, and then go and leave a rating and review would be fantastic. Have a fantastic day. And without further ado, we'll head over to the interview. Well, thank you so much, Hannah, for joining us on the podcast. I'm so pleased to have you here. I'm pretty excited. And like, this is the first time I have been in the ATB Entrepreneur Center. We've talked about it on the podcast before. It's pretty impressive. And we're in their podcast room. Yes. In Calgary, it's pretty awesome. We have a little podcast room for any entrepreneur to come in and use if they want. Yeah. And uh, I love the center because there is free workshops almost every day or at least three times a week for entrepreneurs or for really anybody who's interested in social media, marketing, sales, whatever that is, to have a free resource and place where even entrepreneurs can just come in and have a coffee and hang yeah. out it's not it's not a bank that's for sure I know it looks like it looks like a legit beautiful coffee shop when you come <laughs> in I was oh like, thank this you is, I was like this is maybe where I'm going to do some future editing I like <laughs> anytime yeah okay so entrepreneur center you are an entrepreneur working for ATB yeah weird hey yeah well <laughs> maybe maybe not so much but I want to start off with common good so for people that don't know what common good is maybe just give us a rundown of that yeah, so my husband and I, Dave, were co-founders of Common Good, and uh, essentially Common Good is a social enterprise, but what I've been finding is when I say social enterprise to the masses, most people don't even know what that is. Essentially, Common Good is we serve restaurants, hotels, spas, and we provide the linens for them. So if you look at hotels, the bed sheets, all of that in the restaurants, they need napkins, they need uniforms, all of those pieces. And we wash them on a weekly basis and we bring them back to them. But we have a deeper social model involved and, and that piece is that we hire people that are facing poverty or homelessness barriers. And we do it at a living wage. And a living wage in Calgary is oh, $18 an hour. And so not the $15 an hour that we're all fighting about, yeah. right, in the in the media, but $18 an hour to live in Calgary. And so we employ people facing those barriers. We look at ourselves as actually a transitional employment company, yeah. and we use the linens as our business model, but that model can go into a lot of other companies. Uh, we're looking at construction or cleaning. There's lots of other pieces that we can expand to, but right now we've launched, we've really technically about a year and a half old. We just bought our first warehouse and oh so we have a gosh. big huge laundry plant and basically doubled our employees already. So we're definitely in growth mode right now. Yeah. Were you guys both entrepreneurs beforehand? Yeah, we've both blown up our own separate businesses. Okay. <laughs> blown up, okay. Yeah, blown <laughs> up, not in a good way. <laughs> and uh, you know, we've both we've both been in that road in and out uh, you know in our family we have a little bit of a rule that only one person can be an entrepreneur at a time because kids need to eat mm -hmm. yeah so that's kind of an issue or see their parents yeah well <laughs> <laughs> well when they're teenagers not so much yeah. but yeah so we've always been kind of back and forth uh, Dave had a marketing company before and you know I've done things I've been for me in the last few years I've been deep into the startup community ran an accelerator working with entrepreneurs uh, worked with VA Angels which is now Valhalla Capital which is an investment group so I've been deep into the startup community for a while and that's 
that's kind of, you know, we've had that passion and sitting there, but we've also had that social passion. Yeah. And so we've been, we were always looking at a way of how do we, you know, do what we're passionate about in these social issues that really do need to be solved, but also use our business acumen to do it. Yeah. And, and that's kind of, uh, where common good came from was this based off of any other social enterprise that you had seen or yeah or model well for dave it happened uh, over 10 years ago he uh, he took a leadership course and in the leadership course it said that you had to spend one day being homeless pretending yeah. essentially to be homeless and so he had to go out dress the part and raise his hand and by the end of the day he had to collect 15 dollars and he's, that experience completely changed his life. Like people were crossing the street and to ignore him. You know, he's lived in, you know, major cities his whole life, never once been offered drugs, you know, in Canada. Mm-hmm. He's homeless on the streets. He was offered drugs six times that day. You know, having conversations with people that are living on the streets that they can't even comprehend, they can't talk, there, there's so much mental illness. And it, it just struck him like our most vulnerable, especially in Alberta, are living on the streets. Yeah. Right. And and I wouldn't say especially in Alberta, but, you know, in anywhere they're they're living on the streets. And then, you know, the Calgary flood hit for us in 2013 and we our house was completely flooded. Right. Totally flooded. It was you know, we had the upstairs of it. But what struck me was like two or three days in we just had these masses amounts of people come into our house. I knew no one. At one point there were 17 people in our house just dragging soggy, gross, disgusting things out of our house. And it, it really struck me that moment to see the community come. But also for me, because we had volunteered at the Calgary Drop-In and other organizations over time, was that we have this need every day in our city of someone who needs a housing. Yeah. You know, in the flood, we all came together. But the reality is, is that we have over 2000 people that are homeless just in Calgary. So I was like once and then so we got into rebuilding and we had an incredible amount of support and we had friends and we had family and we had a safety net. Right. And a lot of people just don't have that. And that comes from the families that you were born into. Or if you're born into poverty, you have a really hard time getting out. So after we rebuilt, we really said we got to focus in and really give back more to the community because we felt so much ourselves. Yeah. For Dave personally, he was getting burnt out in marketing. He was selling to some of the biggest brands in the world working with them. And it was just like soul sucking yeah. for him. And and so in that same leadership course, there was a guy from Toronto but he ran a nonprofit homeless shelter. And what they did was they used this same laundry model to rehab some of their people. The thing is, is they weren't running it as a business. So they were losing over $200,000 a year. They were getting that equal into grants. Mm -hmm. And so we started to look at the business model and it's because he was undercharging. They weren't tracking. It's not about customer service. It was purely just about the rehab and giving some work to some chronically homeless people. Yeah. And so he, we looked at that model and started to do our research. Yeah. Like before we even launched, Dave had talked to 50 restaurants, you know, talked to all the, you know, the talked to the business owners and different people. And they all told us everything that was wrong with their current service. And it comes to find out that this industry that we're in is highly disruptible. And very old school, old contracts, old this, um, prices go up every every year, you know, five-year contracts, paper billing still. And it's really interesting because our competitors just bought, one just bought the other. 
for over $2.1 billion. So this in, in Canada. So like this is a huge industry that is doing paper billing, no technology, awful customer service. And it's just sleepy because I didn't even know. I was like, restaurants rent their napkins? Yeah. I was like, what? Like, I didn't know. I was like, what? And so when we did all this research and started diving in, but what was interesting is that the restaurants and hotels hated their current providers. There's lots of different in there. So much they would hand over their bills. They would hand over so many things going, if you can fix this, this, and this, I'll sign with you today. Wow. And so we were like, oh, we got to look at this, right? Yeah. We got we to gotta dive into this more. And so that's how it kind of started for us. That's incredible. Well, and that you can do both, right? Like you can provide good service, run a good business and support people at the same time. I think people think that supporting people in need is the job of a nonprofit and, you mm. know, making money is the job of a business, but that there is this middle ground that you can do both and provide jobs, which are so necessary. I actually believe it's essential in business. Yeah. Businesses are a part of our community. Businesses employ our every employ me. They employ you. They employ people. We have lives. We then shop local. We do all of these things in that like for me, this old school way of doing business, which is that very traditional, you know, corporation in some way is coming to an end yeah. and are coming to ends, right? Because businesses are in communities. They do need to be a part of that community. They do need to give back. They need to treat their employees well. Like it's all connected. Yeah. And that disconnect has been there for a long time, right? And so I really think that's where this emergence of social enterprise and social impact or corporate and social responsibility, it doesn't even matter what it's called anymore. Just do good. It's just doing good yeah. is becoming so much of a forefront. You know, sure, there's marketing stuff and the reasons why some people do it. But really, for me, it's like that's the way you're supposed to do business. Yeah. Right. The, it, it can be it's not always going to be equal. We can't do everything off the bat. Like, you know, we can't we can't do everything. This is the problem. Like a lot of people come in and they're like, I'm going to pay someone a living wage and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. And then I'm going to show the world. It's like, no, you can build the good into your plan over time as your revenue goes up too. So don't yeah. try and do too much at once either. Well, and it sounds like you guys have been building that as things have gone. Like you talk about the, the living wage and, and supporting people with employment, but now you guys are also have an environmental focus. Yeah. So was that, was that there at the beginning or has that been part of the build? Yeah. I mean, when my husband first told me that, you know, we're going to go into laundry, my heart broke environmentally because <laughs> we know water, the hot water and commercially it's very hot water. It's nothing yeah. we'd even see in our homes to get something that clean and the chemicals and all of those other things. And some, in some ways the chemicals and that that technology is not there yet to yeah. have really green to actually be able to clean it. But it was really important to us in terms of our environmental footprint. And yeah. we're, also look, uh, we're also in the process of going B Corp, which is the benefit corporation. So we're certified in that. And that's one of the pieces is environmental, people. So people, profit, and planet is what we look at, right? It's those three pieces. And so, but we knew we couldn't do it at the beginning, right? We didn't, we, we scaled out of the basement of the Calgary drop-in center. Oh my gosh. Okay. So for the, we just got this warehouse. That's why yeah. I'm so excited about it yeah. because we were, you know, for over a year in the basement of the Calgary drop-in, which is incredible for a startup, like figure yeah. out how you can start up your company and do it in really unimaginable ways. And it, it all happened because we had a conversation with them because we wanted to employ people coming out of the drop-in center. Yeah. Well, it turns out they have an employment program and you know, you can go 
go in and get transitional employment from them every day. But then they were like, oh, we have commercial laundry in our basement. We use it during the day because they have to wash everything yeah, every day, course, right? Yeah. And they're like, you could come in at night. And so we broker a deal. And this is how we scaled our business. And so, of course, we didn't have the environmental piece. We were out of someone else's place. Yeah. And then we happened to buy this laundry plant that already had the biofuel and solar built into it. So that was in our plan. We were originally going to go and just build our own. And then this happened. And uh, it was incredible. We were like, this is exactly. So if anything, we thought the environmental piece may take us five years to do, to build in, because it's expensive. But we bought it with everything. Yeah. So it was incredible. And so is that then something you have to build into your pricing? Or has it sort of worked out? In our industry, you know, we are going to have to be, and I really believe this, a lot of people think, oh, you can charge more if you're in social good and, and people. And I think that goes well with products yeah. sometimes and people get it, but it doesn't work in Commercial our industry. Services, yeah. You know, I need to compete with our competitors. I need yeah. to compete at their prices. And so, no, you have to work that in our model. Yeah. Where it happens is your bottom line, right? Social kind of deep social models like ours, because we have you know, different facets of it, we're not going to have a 50% kind of profit, yeah. right? Our margins are lower because our purpose is people and the planet. Our purpose is not profit. When you yeah. go to the original shareholder agreements, when you go to incorporate your business, it says shareholders are king, <laughs> right? Like <laughs> only thing that matters is money. And that's where we get these big corporate greed or, or just greed is that only thing that matters is money. And that's what drives our company. And so our company, our shareholder agreement we changed it. It says it's people, profit, and planet. We'll reinvest a certain amount back into our company every year and then have a, another amount available yeah. for our shareholders. We're not there yet. We're not profitable. We're getting there. We'll be there really quickly with this warehouse as we scale. Yeah. But yeah, those are really important pieces. Well, and to know going into it that you're not going to be profitable right away. Like, what was your time frame for profitability? Oh, come on. Everyone makes a guess as an entrepreneur yeah. of what the time frame is. Everyone feels like they're going to be profitable in the first year. I've never met a, I've never met a business yeah. that, first of all, typical entrepreneurs don't pay themselves within the first yeah. two years and shouldn't be, you should be growing your business and all the money's going back in. This is why only one entrepreneur at a time in the right? family. Yeah. You know, one, you know, and, and typically you're not paying yourself for uh, the first couple of years. Most businesses don't even see profit for the first five, like real profit going out to shareholders. Uh, if you look at the tech industry, that's no different. People think that, you know, face the Facebooks and all those guys, have, they're just new, but they've been around. Like yeah. Amazon's well over 20 years and they just made money this year. Like he just blew up, right? Yeah. You know, they were losing money. And so it takes time. Yeah. And so originally, you know, everyone runs their numbers in order to get investors in. Like, I'm going to be profitable in the first year. But with this warehouse, we were able to run it out. And, and we'll see. I think, you know, as we scale and add more customers, then by the summer, we should be pretty even. That's awesome. Well, congrats. So... What's your future vision for Common Good then? If you're building over time, you know, you've added the environmental piece, obviously profitability, a goal, <laughs> but like, Always. what's the vision? We're starting in Calgary. We want to ensure that we, you know, this is our opportunity right now to make sure that this system works. Yeah. So we have a good, you know, we have some, a year at least, if not a little bit more to stabilize the Calgary operations. But after that, we will go into each city and cross Canada and go into Edmonton and Vancouver. You know, we might not hit Toronto. We don't know yet. We'll see. We have to look at those types of profitability and if it works. Toronto is a way bigger market. And mm -hmm. uh, so we'll go into each ones and see where we can grow, maybe partner with some other people to expand. 
and so we want to expand that piece of common good linens. Yeah. And then once we've done that, we'll look at other, there might be other businesses that we can get involved in. One naturally for us is cleaning because of our restaurants and, and hotels and stuff. There could be a, a natural piece there. Yeah. But the big vision is, you know, to expand this as much as we can across Canada and, and grow that out and go into other industries. And for us, like we would, you know, in 10 years, I would love to see in Calgary, and I, I think it would be less than 10 years because I know who's there now. You know, one of the people that walked in to the shelter and then walked in to us is then running Common Good Calgary, right? And and so, you know, we want to see that. But on the flip side, we also know we're a transitional employment. Yeah. And so after one to two years, depending on the employee and what they need, we are looking for other partners for them to then transition into other jobs. Yeah. Right. So we'll have a couple that will stay with us, but there's, you know, essentially people need to go. Yeah. And no one wants to do laundry for their whole life. I know that's not their dream. Right. So I think that's a good model to kind of use that. When you think of the impact that you're having on people's lives, like what Mm. does that, what does that do for you? I can't, I typically, I can't even like, there's just no words. Like I get choked up right now talking about it because I think it takes an incredible amount of strength to to be able to handle what they have had to go through in yeah. their life. Like it the, there is, you know, people I think so much look at poverty and homelessness as like they must they're so weak, they don't know what they're doing, they're drug addicts or this or that. To be able to even survive in that life is extremely extremely hard. And we didn't we thought it would take a good I, I don't know what we expected, but we thought it would take a lot longer. And in our first year, we had four employees move out into their own house, their own basement suite or their own place, though, yeah. from the shelter. And there's no words for that. And yeah. just to think, like, imagine living in a shelter where literally, you know, it's not a great it's n- they do the best that they can, but it's not a great environment for anybody. Yeah. And then having your own place and being safe and and just cooking dinner yeah Yeah, it's just dignity and cooking dinner and all of that and and people say oh what's the secret sauce it's like we paid them a living wage (laughs) shock i'm I'm not kidding they didn't i mean one 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 of the employees i'm thinking about he just texted us late at night on saturday like found my place moved in right now so excited and we were like didn't we haven't had to help anyone we haven't had to do that it was like providing a safe place to come to work providing the skills the mentorship whatever you need and then being able to pay them a living wage and then they were saving it and found their own place yeah you know sometimes it doesn't have to be that difficult yeah you know people say homelessness and poverty is a multi-layered issue i totally agree Everyone has different issues and things, but I think we can strip that back and go housing first. Yeah. How do we do that? Yeah. Right. How do we look at this living age, living wage issue? I think we can strip things back in, in different ways. And cause I think when people go, Oh, this is just too complicated or it's multi-layered. It gives them an excuse to walk out and say, we're not going to solve this. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, it is. So what are we going to tackle? Yeah. Sorry. You're blowing my mind here. And I'm, <laughs> Like, do you, I know you're saying you're getting choked up at the impact and stuff, but do you realize the legacy that you're having? Yeah, no. (laughs) Like. We're so deep in startup mode. Yeah. (laughs) No. And and like, do your, like, what do your kids say about this? Um, yeah, like, do they think mom and dad are cool or do they feel like, (laughs) I mean, do teenagers ever think parents are cool? We hope so, but (laughs) I doubt it. 
you know, they are right, the twins are right along a side of us. Like they really are volunteer and they want to work at the laundry and um, they really see that. But they're also teenagers and yeah. they also have their own life. And I don't, I think when you're in it, especially when you're building and we're very much in building and all of that mode, we're deep into it. So our heads kind of don't pop out of yeah. it very much. When we acquired the warehouse, we did acquire employees with it. And we were like, okay, so how does this work with our model? But it turned out actually that um, all of our employees are Syrian refugees and fairly new to Canada. And so we have kind of maybe opened our focus. We started off really focused on the homelessness piece. Now we're really talking about people who face poverty barriers, right? Yeah. You know, if one person is living in a one bedroom house with six kids, like that's still not great living in poverty, not making a living wage, yeah. you know, all of those pieces. So we have kind of a bigger focus now to, you know, bring in people that understand finances and personal finances as a lunch and learn or language barriers we're yeah. kind of dealing with right now. And so we're, we're looking at how do we kind of uh, also bring in some lunch and learn support for our employees as, as they move and grow, like, okay, we have four that already have their own housing, but what's the next step? Yeah. Right. What's the next step for them? They became homeless because of trauma, not because of drinking and alcohol yeah. and drugs. What people think that's not where it goes. Yeah. All the research shows that, all of the research shows this is what's so mind-blowing and oprah just finished talking about it and like once oprah talks about it I was like, <laughs> finally it's mainstream right i was like yes it's mainstream yeah. oprah talked about it but it was all about the trauma yeah. that people typically suffer you know three traumas and they're really bad we're talking about death or losing a partner or abuse yeah, yeah abuse is huge you know all of those pieces in there and they're suffering trauma and then you don't have a safety net right if you don't have a good fam uh, like a, a good family support system yeah. or friends and there's no safety net so you just you're you're in poverty you're in yeah. all of this mess and then yeah if i was i i actually say to people i'm like i dare you to go live at a homeless shelter i say for 72 hours and not get drunk, do drugs, or want to punch someone out. Yeah. Right? Like, it's just, it, it, it is so, and on the streets, wherever. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a shelter. Just once you're in that, it's a rough life. Well, yeah. And I mean, the, dr the alcohol and the drugs are a coping mechanism. Yeah. Like, how many times have I come home from a stressful day and had a drink to take the edge off? Like, it's, you know, if I was going through the kind of trauma like you're saying people on the street like it's oh, I'm sorry we do it every day yeah like we go home and we have a glass of wine yeah you see it on social media everyone's like oh it's mom time and I'm gonna have my glass of wine it's like so it's the same thing yeah, yeah I had someone say to me like oh I don't really give any money to people on the street because I don't know what they're gonna do with it maybe they're gonna go have a drink tonight and we were walking out of the bar when they said that when I was in my 20s yeah and I was like so you get to go use your money the way that you want to yeah right and so like yeah it, it's a hard issue yeah. and I know it's the controversial pieces of it, yeah. but what we have to understand more importantly is that it's trauma. And yeah. when we see someone else in pain and the trauma that they've suffered, a different mindset happens. Yeah. If you think they're just a guy on the street that is gross and dirty and is drinking and da 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 da, you have a different mindset. Yeah. But when you look at them and say, wow, what a spirit that they must have and strength to be able to endure that. Yeah. Your mind shifts. That's nuts. Yeah. So I would imagine perhaps this has shifted your view on Calgary. Like you've become more aware of issues in our community or whatnot. Has it changed where you personally like give your time and your dollars mm. or that kind of thing? 
Yeah, I, I mean, it's good and bad. So on the Calgary piece, uh, Dave, Dave's originally from Edmonton. I'm originally from Vancouver. We've been now in Calgary since 2011, long time. And we really consider Calgary home. I love Calgary and all of those pieces. But I think where there's a lot of confusion is around social entrepreneurship. People think it's like, oh, I'm just going to do some good. Yeah. But at its core, because social entrepreneurship really has been around since the 70s, at its core is about systematic change. So this, this is where it gets a little bit controversial for people. And systematic change means our systems need to change. So if we look at poverty, and let's take the food bank, for example. People are like, oh, we need food, we need food, and we got to fund all this because people don't have food. But the What's core the issue yeah. in Canada is not that we don't have access to food. We are actually one of the top food wasters in the world in Canada. Alberta's the worst. And so it's not about the access to food for people that are living in poverty. Like there is food everywhere. And if anything, we have incredible food waste. And so funneling money to, so what they're doing right now is important because it's needed because we haven't fixed the core issue, right? Like we have to do that. But what I'm more interested in is why. So the reason why they're living in poverty need to access the food bank is because they're not getting paid or they don't have a job. They don't have the right ID. They don't have access to a bank account. They don't have access to education. They so don't have a- an address to apply for a job. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or they don't have the cell phone. Like, how do you apply for a job? You have to have internet. You've got to be online now. Well, if they can't afford that and access to education, affordable education or free education, like that is where I'm more interested in is like, where's the core root? And that's where common good was like, we could look at this from a lot of different ways, but we knew that the root there was they need a job. Yeah. And, and how we knew that is we spent so much time in the sh- homeless shelter that Dave and I were sitting there talking to them going, Hey, so what's going on and talking to them. And they'd say, yeah, you know, I, I, there's lots of free programs out there. Mm-hmm. They, they get certified in this. There's a job, you know, all of, they get all their certifications. They do what they wanted. And they're like, but no one's going to hire me because my address is, you know, th- it is a homeless shelter or I don't have access to my uh, cell phone or I don't have this. And so there was ba- other barriers mm-hmm. there. And even if, and they get mistreated in transitional employment, they don't get paid for the day labor or they literally will get physically abused after doing the day, day labor. Like it's, it's really nuts nuts and so we're like oh the issue is you need employment and you need it at a at a living wage that will get you out of here yeah so you know that's the hard part about this is that i'm not slashing any of the nonprofits or the organizations that are out there they're out there because it's an issue and and they need to provide that service but how do we get into these root causes yeah and systematically start to change. And that means rules need to change in government. Rules need to change at city levels. We need, so if you're really passionate about like systems or really passionate about policies, like get in there and start working for them and change these policies. And like you can be actually in organizations and changing. So like, don't think you have to go create a business and you're gonna solve the problem. Like get into these different systems. Go work for them and and change them because we need also system changes yeah. in order to support what some of these businesses are doing. Yeah. So we really do need everyone in their different pieces. And I, so I always have a hard time with like entrepreneur, social entrepreneur yeah. or enterprise. It's like 
business that's not it's a part of the answer yeah but it's not the full answer no not for the whole not for the change that we need because we're are doing good because we want to see the systems change yeah we're doing good because we know it's not totally working yet yeah and a part of that is business needs to change like i said before being a part of community right and really seeing what their value is in that and so it's it, at its core it's systematic change and, and we all have our parts to do and and common good is a very small part of that yeah well, I'm massively impressed by your very small <laughs> part of that. So, okay. You talk about like having, you know, a business that blew up and like we, we had chatted before about wanting to be a radio host. What did you, <laughs> or having worked in radio. Yeah. What did you actually want to be when you were a kid? Yeah. So I, I mean, radio was a part of it for sure. I, I remember I was going to BCIT, which would be the radio school in BC at the time and going and checking it all out. And my parents were like, my dad was like, no, you're not going to become a radio host. No one makes money in that industry. It's totally awful. You're not doing this. We won't pay for it. And so I was like, okay, fine. I'll go to college. And I took like criminology and business because I really felt like they fit together well. (laughs) I don't know. And my 18 year old brain. Right. And uh, after one year, I was like, oh, and because I have that entrepreneur, I can't handle sitting in a being taught at and all of those pieces. And so I dropped that dream pretty quick on the radio stuff. But what changed my life was when I was 16 years old in high school. I was uh, had a really hard time at high school. I was very bullied. When I was 16 years old, I was raped. Uh, (laughs) You know, it was just really rough time. And this program was really interesting. I was in gym. I skipped gym all through high school. I hated gym. I like forged my own, I forged my mom's signature to get out of gym. And this, and it was right at this time I had, you know, I had just gone through all this really rough stuff. People didn't know. Uh, It was, you know, it was just really incredible that this woman comes in and says, hey, all I heard was skip gym and free food. And I raised my hand. I was like, great. I don't have to write these notes anymore. I'm out. And what it was, was a peer education program. And they taught us public speaking, um, communication skills, presentation skills, Toastmasters, team building, all of these things we, over a period of time. And then we got to take the topics, create our own presentation and go into elementary schools and teach. So I'm 16 teaching to an eight-year-old about communication styles yeah, or anger management. And that completely altered I you know I really don't feel like I'd be here today physically like I really feel like I would have gone down a completely different path and probably ended my life with the where I was going at that moment yeah and and this woman saw something in me like she was like you're gonna lead this group I was the most introverted quiet never spoken school and here this woman was like you're going to lead this group and you're going to be the main presenter. And I was like bawling, crying at the end of class. Like, no, I didn't want to be put out in front of people after everything that had happened to me. And that had completely altered. So from there, I really felt like I'm going to teach. But I still had this like competing drive of creating things. Like really creating. Plus, I love to break rules. So school didn't do well for me. Like couldn't imagine I would be breaking all the rules at school, I'm sure, as a teacher. And uh, so then I just kind of went down that path. And what it turned into is a lot of training and communication and just sharing information. Like I'm a sieve for information and then I love to share it out and and uh, really, I don't know what it's called, teaching, facilitating, training, yeah. whatever, speaking, talking. Yeah. That's kind of where it went to. But then 30 hit <laughs> and I, I had the, I was in the midst of this 
business that was blowing up and I, I literally just needed to get a job because I was, that business was gone, like huge debt needed to just crack down. And, uh, I was like, I always loved radio and I felt like it was one thing that I was, I would regret if I didn't go after. Yeah. At 30 years old, I went to radio, went and did their street team, which it's usually just 18 year olds that do the street team. They like go out to events, they hand out stuff. And I was yeah. like, okay, I'll do it. Like I'll do whatever. Cause my, my dad always said to me, he's like, it doesn't matter what you do as a job. You just need to get your foot in the door. Then you work like hell. You show them what you're made of. They'll promote you. They'll do whatever. If you're going to be there, that has always been how I've operated in life. Like just get in, yeah. be helpful, be present, be there. And so that's what I did in radio. Like I was a street team, hanging out with a bunch of 18 year olds. And again, someone saw me and was like, huh, well, what did you do before? Well, I love writing and I love, you know, teaching and marketing and that kind of stuff. And they're like, oh, you know, we write our own commercials at radio. Like we work with businesses and write the commercials. I was like, what? And I became a creative writer Yeah. and writing commercials. And then I became within three months, they mentored me and became a creative director of the radio station, which typically people sit for 10 years before they become a creative director. Back then, it might change now. Back then to just become a creative director. So we were a creative director for all three radio stations. It was crazy. It was crazy. And that's how I met my husband. Yeah. Was through radio because then I was 30 and they were like, oh, you haven't found the guy that you're going to meet yet? And I was like, no. And they're like, well, must. And we turned it into a radio show. Oh, no. Me dating. <laughs> no. Yeah. So every Friday, I think Friday afternoon, I would do like these dating tips and like <laughs> bad stories that I had. People like had an online profile and like we had people at radio like looking at the people that I should date. I basically had to go out with whoever asked me out as long as he didn't like give me the no feeling like yeah. I thought I was going to be killed at the end. Man, I got some good stories. And that <laughs> is actually how I met my husband. <laughs> I love it. And then he proposed live on air. No. Yep. And that was total surprise. I didn't know that. And yeah. so then he proposed live on air. And then, uh, and then the next day he's like, yeah, I'm transferring to Calgary. And then we moved to Calgary and here I am years and years later. That is nuts. Yeah. And then I, and then I, you know, got to Calgary, stayed in radio for about a year, but just really, and then got this job to run an accelerator, which was around the startup community again. And honestly, when I blew up my business, I really licked my wounds for a long time. I was very embarrassed. I was, uh, the failures, oh, yeah. rough. And we don't talk about it enough and people talk behind your backs. And I was, I was scared to ever go out on my own and do something again. So going in and being around other entrepreneurs was really healing for me and is what led us to really get up to want to do common good. Yeah. Cause we were like, Oh man, like I, after watching everyone else and supporting everyone else with their business, I was like, got the bug again was like, okay, yeah. maybe I have enough confidence to do this again. Yeah. Yeah. So now you work with ATB as a social strategist. Okay, what, what is the social strategist? Yeah, I don't know. I think the official title now is like social entrepreneurship specialist. <laughs> uh, basically what I do is I handle the, the strategy for the social, social entrepreneur strategy at ATB. It's actually a new role for them in, in terms of they've never had anything like that. But how again, how it happened was Dave and I went to launch Common Good on ATB Boosters platform. Yeah. And to raise the crowdfunding platform. And then, and we won the stage event. Uh, it was their one year anniversary at the time. We won that pitch event. And then there was a job that said social entrepreneur. And my husband sent it to me. He's like, you really should look at this. And I was like, I'm not working for a bank. What are you talking about? Yeah. Like, 
and I looked at it and then I applied and I got it yeah. and it's morphed into now I'm handling the strategy for Alberta. Yeah. And so it's really around the education and you'll, you know, I'll do education and workshops and all of those other pieces. And I get to talk about common good and all the other cool social businesses that are out there in Alberta. Really. That's a dream job. Yeah. Like I get to do what I love and also still, you know, support common good. And Dave runs that full time. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. You realize like when you like, do you ever have a moment of like looking back on your life and going, holy shit, man, I've done so much stuff. <laughs> I, just, I think I'm scared to, I mean, I, there, it's been a hard, you know, I just had a hip replaced like, you know, a few months ago. So I really feel like I've been joking that there's nothing like a hip replacement right before your 40th birthday to bring on the most intense midlife crisis right like I was just like oh my gosh what am I doing because you have all this time to sit at home and reflect and and all of those pieces and I've had you know I've had trauma I've definitely had trauma in my life and also come from a single parent family and lived in poverty and and so did Dave so we really feel all of that and uh, I don't yeah, I know. I, I think my parents joke a lot like, oh, man, what is she up to next? Because I do jump around like I have jumped around. You know, I went into radio and like it's yeah. very unexpectedly. But I don't know. You know, I don't know. Do we ever reflect back on our life like that? <laughs> I maybe it's just because I interview so many people and I right? hear like they're like, you know, kind of their life story in, in condensed version. But like it's. Yeah, yeah, I've 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 definitely had a and and I've had a lot of health issues. Yeah. And and so has Dave. He's had a hip and knee replaced from a degenerative, you know, childhood disease. Mine yeah. was no different. It's been very Yeah. you know, so but in the same respect, my grandmother you know, my grandmother actually just passed away last week and this is something it was even in my vows. And she said to me, You cannot truly appreciate joy unless you have gone through deep pain and gone through so that means you have to come out the other side so not holding on to all the regret and da 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 but like really go through feel it be in it like it's okay to be weak it's okay to you know all of those things and it's okay to be pissed off and you don't have to analyze all of that just be in there yeah and so because of those things that have happened in our life and the the trauma that we've both felt I think it makes us better better business people but it makes us better for our employees because we also have some empathy um, for what they're going through and the trauma and and we can walk alongside that because we've we've also experienced trauma it's not the same and we you know I don't have to we don't have to experience let's say homelessness or whatever to feel empathy for people right but I've felt trauma and I I know how hard it can be and I know what those depths are but I also know that we you know yeah there's a quote that says we are made by we are made by what breaks us, right? And I, that speaks really true for me. Yeah. Like I have been very broken and still, I think we're always, we always have those broken pieces, but that's what makes us. And it will make us great or it will make us awful, right? Like they, yeah. we can choose to be angry and, and, and sit in that trauma forever. Yeah. Or we can choose to, you know, yeah. make something out of it. Yeah. And they show that it'll, the the majority of people actually through trauma do take it and do something good with it. Yeah. Right. It does show that we, we are very resilient people. Well, in those pivotal moments like that teacher and like, yeah, pivotal right person at the right time. Yeah. Yeah. I think though it's that we have to, as people be someone's button. Yeah. 
right? And like that button where you're like, okay, help me. Yeah. And like, whose button are you? That you're just there for someone, not to fix it, not to help them, you know, not to pull them out, but just to be there to listen, to know that when all shit fails, I'm, I'm still in your corner. Yeah. I may not even agree, but I'm still in your corner and I have you. And I always think about that as like, okay, how are we someone's button and who is your button? You also need to know in your hell, like who's your button or who can you text like one word to that they know, oh, oh she's, yeah, she needs some help, yeah. right? Or she just needs someone to talk to. Yeah. Okay, we're one last question before we move into the questions I ask everyone. Um, <laughs> so you're also an avid volunteer. What does volunteering mean to you? That's funny because I don't think of myself as a volunteer. Well, and yeah, Isn't that I crazy? all the things. You, <laughs> well, and I guess you wouldn't though, right? No. Like this is just who you are. Yeah, I really feel like, and maybe there's maybe there's a movement in this. I don't know, but I really feel like. I do what I'm passionate about and, and, and what I care about and I want to help other people that are doing the same. Yeah. And so if it's for the common good of people and that's what we say, like, is this for the common good of people? And if, and I have to get better at aligning probably, you know, what I'm passionate about. I get very stuck in like, I love startup mode probably a little bit too much, like helping people start up and do all of those things. But how do you become sustainable? Uh, so sometimes I get wrapped into things, projects I shouldn't be in. It's just because I'm like, oh my God, it's a cool new idea. I want to do it. Yeah. And I just think of it as like, you're in community. This is what you do in community. Yeah. Is that, you know, if I'm passionate about volunteering at the drop-in or, you know, even if it's someone's, a friend's event that you want to do, I want to show up, let me do the door. Yeah. Um, and, and I also think tip for everybody out there, I'm sure the tip for me is that I do this because it's actually a lot easier at events to talk to people if you're actually volunteering or at the event or at this because you can just go up and talk to anyone. Oh, yeah, I'm doing this at the event and da-da-da. People will talk to you way easier too. It's a yeah. really good networking piece, yeah. right? Sitting on boards, talking to other people. It's also a really good networking piece, but do it because you're passionate about it. Like yeah. we need to give where we're most abundant, right? So where I'm most passionate, I'm going to do my best work. Yeah. So that's love how it. I think about it. I love it. Okay, so the five questions I ask all of our interviewees. Uh, I have a feeling I might, we might have already touched on them. I don't know, I feel like I touched on <laughs> yeah. all of them. I'm sorry. No, no, no. So what are the things that get you fired up in a good way? Is it startup mode? Is it? You know, I, I also think like in a good way, problems get me fired up because there's something to solve. Yeah. So social issues fire me up uh, because of the injustice. Yeah. And I know that's a weird way to think about it, but it, it's this injustice that happens and then looking at it and diving in and saying, okay, so this is how we've bandied it the whole time. How do we actually go in and do that? And so I think problems, which is kind of that startup piece, that's yeah. where essentially is like, what problem are you trying to solve is yeah. the first question we ask entrepreneurs. And uh, that problem piece, I really love going in and looking at it from different people's views and, and talking to different people about it and, and, and social issues, obviously, you know, homelessness and poverty and, and the way in which we're not solving it. Yeah. You know, those types of things. That's what keeps me going. I know that this question, everyone's like, oh, you got to be all positive and da da But the, I actually think I'm fueled by the injustices of the world. Yeah. yeah. Right? That's what gets me. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it, to me, the good way is that you're doing something about it. Yeah. And then, yeah, like, and, and that's the thing. Like, we yeah. can either talk about it all the time or we can do something about yeah. it and even 
even and in the doing we'll figure out if it worked or not yeah we'll figure out like i might go and say this could be we might go and say you know what we think it's living at wage but we may uncover something else yeah like that's the actual problem so just do it to figure out if it works or not yeah what is it Uh, like rapid rapid test piloting or something like that i've heard oh what's the uh, well, there's Rapid the experimentation or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. There's the lean canvas model. There's yeah. the fail fast model. There's, you know, all of those types of things. But the thing is, we all know, like even in our personal lives, I can tell my kids, hey, don't do that. They're going to do it. They burn themselves. And then they're like, oh, yeah, I got it. Yeah. You just I mean, we're as humans, we just need to do yeah. waiting for my two year old to figure out that. <laughs> The, the jumping off the couch isn't quite figured out oh, that the impact still happens. No, that won't change. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> let him jump. Let him fall. Yeah. <laughs> Scarp it. Scarp it's fine. But that's how we learn. Yeah. We learn by doing. And so I think even when people are feeling stuck, and I've been feeling stuck lately, or they're just feeling like they're not. Yeah. If you ever need a jump start in your life and yeah. you're feeling like stuck or this and that, I do think volunteering or yeah. helping someone out or going out whatever is how you get back into it, which yeah. is doing. Yeah. Like if you want, if you're sitting at home and just like, pour me, pour me, pour me. Yeah. Like just get out, do something yeah. for someone else. Yeah. Anything. I don't, you know, it doesn't matter if it's the $5 or if it's this or if it's that. Shovel it's just your neighbor's walk. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. It doesn't always have to be for a social issue. It's just like, do something that is outside of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. What's the most inspiring book you've read in the past few years? Well, right now, I uh, it's not a business book. Right now, it's White Hot Truth by Danielle Laporte. Oh, okay. Yeah. And this is like women, any woman out there needs to look at her stuff because it's just like soul-shaking. And she does do business. Like the Firestarter book is yeah. her first one. Well, or one of her one of her original books and the fire starter is incredible because it's all questions and you're going through and yeah. you're looking back at yourself and who you are. And the white hot truth is just like, it's like a girlfriend has yeah. written this book and it's just like the depths of the depths of the real truths of yeah. our lives. And uh, that one's been pretty much rocking my world. And right now, because I've been going through kind of the health challenges and stuff, I'm a little bit more internal of yeah. looking about like, you know, who am I? What am I doing here? And, and just taking stock, I think is yeah. just a, like, am I not doing on the right path or am I too over-focused yeah. or those types of things? But yeah, it's gritty and she swears and like all that stuff. It's, it's yeah. just like, she's really gritty on that and it's spiritual and all of those pieces. The other one I was just reading, and when I say read, I listen to everything on audio yeah, audiobooks, <laughs> uh, is uh, Present Over Perfect. Okay. And it's just obviously being about yeah. present, but it was an interesting take on this woman's life. Now... She has a religious Christian background to it, which I didn't know when I picked up the book. It was just suggested to me on my Audible, right? And yeah, that one was like really how you show up for people and being present over perfect, which I think women, especially moms, really struggle with, right? That was a, yeah, I'm still, I think I've like replayed a couple chapters a few times and cried, so. Aw. (laughs) So did we touch on your favorite quote before? I think, well... Kind of. I mean, I said we are, we're made by what breaks us. Yeah. But there's another one I think is really, and this is off of Danielle Laporte's book, yeah. White Hot Truth. And I, I just think this is such a, it's such a push and pull. So what she talks about, the quote is, open, gentle heart, big fucking fence. And what it means is, is she talks about how 
we can be open and be ourselves and, and really know, like have an open heart and be welcoming and everything. But the reason why, and it's counterintuitive, right? To yeah. have that big fence there with the heart. Cause people yeah. are like, no, you're supposed to be open. But what happens is, and this has been my struggle is when you're open like that, you let everybody in. Yeah. Like you let them really close and you're like, and then you, and then, you know, people are people and you don't necessarily listen to what they're saying compared to what they're doing. Cause yeah. sometimes that doesn't match. And that's the biggest indicator, right? People show us who they are, everything yeah. through what they do. And for me, I, I've really been wrestling with that piece of, okay. And the big fucking fence right there. Yeah. And she said, the reason why is that then you allow people who match your heart in. And those are the ones that are like your close friends that yeah. are your tribe that are around you that match you. That doesn't mean you're mean to everybody else sitting on that fence. No, you're still you. You're your big open heart. But the people that are going to like have your back yeah. are the ones that match your same heart. Yeah. So you need to know your heart. Yeah. Right. And you need to know who's going to match. And that has been, you know, for my for for the twins uh something i've been really working with them because they yeah. both have big open hearts and they love people and they're going to be you know they but love they're in high school i know <laughs> so they need that fence right like. and 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 because it's like oh i want to be your friend I, you know right like we all i gotta be your yeah. friend we want to do that but it's like i question them like do they match does yeah does your friend's heart match your heart yeah because that there and, and they've had, you know, we all have those hard lessons. And I think it's about like, cause I've always struggled with, okay, I got to be open and I got to let everyone in and I got to be really nice to everybody and da, 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 and just, da, 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 da. and then I feel burnt out and yeah. I feel used and I feel all of that instead of saying, and then feeling like I can't be that person. Yeah. I was like, oh, I can't be that person. Cause I get screwed instead of saying, no, you can be that person for the right people. Yeah, but you can still be that person for everybody yeah. else, but you don't have to let them in to just like completely rip you out. Yeah. I can still be nice and I can still be yeah. da, da 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 but there's still a boundary there of yeah. you, don't, you don't get to use me in that same piece. Yeah. Right? So that, I, I love it because it's so different. Yeah. I really like that. And like Brene Brown talks about that in terms of like, who are the people that, like, I think she has an exercise of like, write down the people whose opinions actually matter and who, like, like you're saying, your tribe, who are your people? And that list should be, small right like it shouldn't be no 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 no. it's not your facebook friends it's you yeah. know your one word text yeah 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 and she i was just listening to her this morning she has a podcast danielle has a podcast out and uh yeah that list should be really really small and you should be able she said with a couple of her friends she had there's a word that they can text each other when they're in hell. Like yeah. I need someone on the phone right now. This has fallen apart. And they text crazy lady to each other. <laughs> and so the other person knows if they're driving, wherever they are, they drop, they call. Yeah. Or, you know, if it, you know, and, and, and I just thought, oh, that's the button we were talking about, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. But like, does, you know, your closest friend or your spouse or whatever, like, do you have that, that outlet where you can just be like, oh my God, this is crazy. Yeah. I'm losing it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So what's the best life lesson you've learned or advice that you've been given? Oh gosh. I feel like I've been uh, really wrestling with failure in terms of the meaning of it. So, you know, failing my first, actually technically it was my second business. Failing that second business has always been a really hard piece because in startup culture, we're like fail fast. Yeah. 
You got to fail, 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 fail fast, fail fast. You know, you just got to learn to accept failure. It's okay. It goes. But the issue is failure comes with a feeling and feelings we don't, if we just dismiss, they come back. And so I don't think that we're really doing it any service by just being like, fail fast. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Because I watch entrepreneurs all the time. It's you, you're attached to your business. You're passionate about it. You have sunk money, time, everything into it. So yeah, it's actually quite hard to fail fast. Yeah. Truthfully. Right now, if you're in iteration, kind of you're building an app and you're, Oh, that didn't work. This didn't work. That's fine. But when we're talking about real failures where you've lost money or, you know, you've done something wrong, all of those pieces, uh, failure is just one of those ones where I don't think we spend enough time in. Yeah. And not in terms of like looking at it and saying, oh, this is why I failed. It's, I'm not talking about like analyzing it or anything like that, but just being yeah. there and being like, yeah, okay, this is what happened and this is what happened. I also think there's a responsibility on the community that we've missed. So, so often when people fail, we talk behind their backs. Yeah. Oh, did you hear? Da, 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 I did this. Yeah. And, and so, and, and this even speaks into what we're doing, like with homelessness and poverty, like, oh, you see that guy? Oh, he's on the street and he did this and this and this. Yeah. Did you hear what he did to his wife? And, and so that supportive environment also from the community side isn't there. I really love what happens in Boulder, Col Colorado with the startup communities is that they do a wake. So when a business fails, there's a wake that happens for the business. They're all at a restaurant. There's a whole bunch. Of, everyone's there. What they do is they talk about all the good times. They talk about the bad times and everyone comes together. And t what they've found is like you have that morning, like it's morning. Yeah. And I don't think I ever mourned for my business. Yeah. And so it's that morning of saying, I did this really well. Sure. Yeah. Because once it fails, we think we did everything friggin' wrong in that business. Yeah. When for me, it was 2008 economy and everything blew up and I lost all my contracts. And so I've completely dismissed everything else that's happened. Yeah. All the things that I did do well. And so to be able to go and say, here's what I did well. Here's what screwed up. And there's other things I screwed up on. Didn't keep my eye on my finances as quickly yeah. as I should have. Like now we run weekly reports in Common Good on knowing exactly how much money is coming in and coming out. Like we always know where everything's at. Yeah. And so, yeah, those are, you know, being able to just reflect a little bit differently yeah. and mourn it. Well, it strikes me like what you were saying, and it's a different kind of trauma, but about getting mm -hmm. to the other side of the trauma that you have to sit in it. And we're just telling people to like brush it away. And that yes. you need to feel the feelings. You need to feel the feelings. You need to look at it and not write it completely off as a failure either. Like what yeah. worked, what didn't. What happens in in uh, in those morning kind of wakes that they have, what they found is, is the community also comes together. So there's community and then there's the businesses and the employees that are in it. And they said by the end of it, within a few months, either a couple of them gone off to start the next one, another one got hired by another startup or another business, like they get reintegrated back into the community and it's just not looked at as like, oh, well, you guys failed shape. that, I'm not going to hire you, right? You know, like those yeah. types of pieces. So it's just that shift uh, that, you know, even, so I sit on the, uh, the advisory board for Startup Calgary now and we've been talking about like, okay, let's do this. What does yeah. this look like yeah. of doing this here instead of being like, oh, look at that startup. It yeah. failed. Or look at that business. It closed down, which we've been dealing with in Alberta at a yeah. higher rate. You know, instead of, wow, okay, how do we bring them in? Because yeah. that entrepreneur 
entrepreneurs fail all the time. Uh, they're going to have failed businesses. They also are successful, but they will go on to do something else. And how they deal with it and how we treat them yeah. will ultimately determine what they do next. Yeah. And we want them to succeed. So how do we move them through that process better? Yeah. Even myself. Yeah. yeah. So final question. Hannah, what does it mean to you to live your best life? Yeah, I don't know if that's possible. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I think, you or know, a it's meaningful a meaningful life. Yeah, a meaningful life. I You know, the best life. And I say that because we all, we have, you know, people die and we get sick and, you know, there's traumatic things that happen every day. Yeah. And so to me, sometimes having, saying to people, oh, how do you live your best life? There's so much pressure. Yeah. Right? Like. I don't know. I have a two-year-old and I haven't slept in eight days. Like I'm not living, you know, I don't want to feel guilty for not being there. Yeah. And, and so I, I think that for me, it's just looking at ensuring that I'm in alignment with the legacy I want to leave. Right. I feel so old. It's like I turn 40. I start talking about legacy. It's so awful. (laughs) (laughs) But it is about that legacy that you want to leave and how you want to affect other people. Yeah. And, uh, really for me is working out of what you're good at there's like the old school mentality of okay you need to know you know when you're in a job interview and they're like what are your weaknesses and then everyone tries to like frame the weaknesses into the positive I hate it yeah it's awful it's like ridiculous and so this weakness piece there's always been this you need to work on your weaknesses because that's what you're weak at right in business they'll look at that and all those pieces and I say "Uh uh-uh need to know what they are you need to be visible to it so that you can then either hire or bring on someone else or another teammate to fill where you're not good at then you need to look at what your strengths are and you need to capitalize like hell off of your strengths and run yeah right and and do that so fill in where you're not good at and then capitalize off your strengths and so for me it's always like what am I good at what am I passionate about and I'm I'm in alignment my biggest problem is that I like to do too many things and so I'll suffer from burnout because I love the new shiny stuff yeah. but I also love helping people like ultimately I want to be of service that's yeah. why we created common good it's like both Dave and I have this of service piece yeah but you can't do that and burn yourself out. And you also have to have boundaries within that. And so really it's just for me to live even a meaningful life is more about checking in and taking care of myself, which I've been extremely bad at most of my life and checking in with myself and, and taking care of myself so that I can be of service to yeah. other people. Yeah. Well, I just want to take this moment to recognize you <laughs> for your authenticity and your, I don't know, you don't want to say it, but your legacy <laughs> and the awareness that you have. It's, hmm. I did not, honestly, we were like, we were basically introduced by someone. Yeah. And I like, she was like, oh, you should interview these kind of women. And I like, didn't, didn't know you before. Like yeah, I hadn't heard of you and I'm ki- like, I'm just feeling so blessed that I've gotten to have this experience with you. Oh, so um, thank you so much. I mean, it's such an opportunity to be able to share with people like, your life and and have that received because I think everyone has their stories. Yeah. Right. And so even being able for you to have a podcast like that and share out people's stories is so important because we learn by, we also learn by other people's stories. Right. So thank you for the opportunity. All the best in everything that you do.